Gentlemen, more memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, our friends at Ticketmaster have got you covered as the official marketplace of the NFL. Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. This is the Action Network Podcast. Oh, the right hand! He hit a flush on the jaw with the right hand. A right hand right on the chin. Six, seven, and he's going to stop the fight. It's all over. Wow. Puts him down. It did not last 20 seconds. Hello and welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm Sean Zerillo, joined today by Eric Raskin and Brian Fonseca to break down Saturday's Super middleweight main event between Canelo Alvarez and Jermel Charlo going live at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Ring walk should be sometime after 11 p.m. Eastern. Main card starts closer to 8 p.m. Showtime pay-per-view. Canelo coming in is around a minus 400 favorite, around 80% in the implied odds market. Fight favored to go to a decision pretty heavily as well, about minus 250 to the yes. And the draw, the juicy draw, sitting at plus 1,800. We're going to break down the technical aspects of this fight, the physical characteristics of both fighters, what's at stake for both fighters, and then get the guy's best bets for both this fight and the other fights on Saturday's card. Eric, I want to turn it to you first, just talking about the size differential between the two fighters, Jermel Charla moving up two weight divisions here, but he is actually the bigger fighter, four inches taller, three and a half inch reach advantage. I would assume Canelo more filled out for the weight class, probably the bigger hitter. But considering a couple fights back, did go up to light heavyweight, faced a bigger fighter, Dimitri Bivol, struggled with the size a little bit, maybe struggled with the power more though. Just curious how you think the physical characteristics of both fighters are going to match up. Trial Charlo's size advantage, his jab is going to play out in this fight. And then also the age of both fighters, you know, both 33 years old, but Canelo more than 100 professional fights, amateur and professional in his career, I should say. So just whether you think Canelo might be hitting the latter stages of his career here. So one of my big uh, talking points that not just for this fight, but in boxing in general, I think people overrate the advantage, the supposed advantage of size. Um, Obviously, weight classes exist for a reason. Uh, Size can matter. I'm not going to sit here and tell you Noah in a way could move up and beat Tyson Fury. There is a point at which it's impossible. But within a weight class or two, people tend to lean on, oh, the bigger man's going to win. And it just doesn't bear out. We see it all the time. Manny Pacquiao beat so many guys who were bigger than him. Canelo moved up in weight and beat guys up until a point. So with this particular fight, I really don't think of size as a significant factor. As you pointed out, Jermel Charlo is taller and longer. Canelo will probably functionally outweigh him five or 10 pounds, something like that on fight night. But I think it's more a matter of styles and who's the superior fighter than that Canelo's going to win because he's bigger or anything like that. And I don't think he lost to Dimitri Bivol because Bivol was bigger. I think that was largely stylistic. Bivol using his height advantage in a particular way with such a busy jab, perhaps combined with the question of whether Canelo was starting to slow down with that fight, which 
factors into what you were asking about the ages. I don't think we know, knew going into Canelo versus Bivol that perhaps Canelo was starting to show his age. He was still considered the pound-for-pound champ by most going into that. But when we look at that fight in the context of Canelo's two rather flat performances that have followed against Golovkin and against John Ryder, I think it's pretty fair to question now whether Canelo is, I'm not going to use the word washed, he's nowhere close to that, but getting just a little washy, a little post-prime, I think we're there with Canelo whereas uh, Charlo, I think, is probably a younger 33. So that's sort of how I would view uh, size as a relative non-factor here, and the question of whether Canelo is a little past his best could go a long way toward determining who wins this fight. I also saw some murmurings that this this has been Canelo's healthiest camp in a while. You know, he's a very active guy. He seems to fight twice a year. He's has more than 60 professional bouts. So, Brian, just, you know, curious on your thoughts. Do you think Canelo is sort of past prime? Do you think he's maybe been banged up in these recent fights? And how do you sort of see the size differential playing out for Charlo in this matchup? Well, he turned pro in 2005. <laughs> you know, Canelo Alvarez did. And uh, Jamel Charlo, by the way, turned pro in 2007. So both of these guys went pro very young. Uh, Canelo Alvarez has been a pro for longer. He also has 63 professional bouts to Jamel Charlo, who has about 37. So there's sort of the big difference there. But then you have sort of a uh, rest versus, you know, actually being in the ring conversation because Jamel Charlo has only fought once in each of the last few years. He fought once in 2020. A lot of people only fought once in 2020 because, you know, and then in 2021 <laughs> and then in 2022, whereas Canelo Alvarez has been active. He had three fights in 2021. He had two in 2022. And this year, this was going to be a second fight. And... Even though he's the same age as Jermel Charlo, sneakily, he feels older because, well, one, he's been around a lot longer in terms of like these high profile fights. And Canelo Alvarez really got to the world title scene in like 2010, 2011, where Jermel Charlo was still coming up. He didn't have his first world title shot until 2016. You know, and I, I just think, you know, going back to what Eric was saying about like just stylistically, uh, Dimitri Bivol, when he beat Canelo Alvarez, it wasn't a size thing. It was kind of like, hey, in Europe, they teach you when you finish with a combination, jab when you're stepping away instead of just stepping away. And Canelo Alvarez had a big problem with that. The size factor here is going to be interesting because Jermel Charlo does have the height and reach advantages. And I was at the press conference when these two were, uh, you know, the fight was being hyped up in New York City. And Jermel Charlo doesn't look like he's going to have a problem with the weight cut because he looked pretty big. And, <laughs> you know, we'll see. But it, at the end of the day, it's going up two weight classes. Um, and Canelo Alvarez has had experience beating guys. He's not somebody who came up at super middleweight. He was fighting at welterweight and super welterweight when he was coming up and, you know, just gradually progressed. I wouldn't say that he's a bigger guy than like a Kayla Plant, for example. He knocked him out. He knocked out Sergey Kovalev, who was a light heavyweight, who was the light heavyweight boogeyman. So I feel like he can figure out Jamel Charlo relatively easily. And the, the issue that I have with Jamel Charlo is, while I think he's good enough to win this fight, this is your first fight in 16 months, and you're going to fight Canelo Alvarez? And you're going to move up two weight classes to do it? And Canelo Alvarez, while typically not a great starter, he's gotten off to better starts uh, lately. The problem is toward the end. That's where I'm going to have questions, but we could get into that later on. 
So let's talk about the technical aspects of this fight. Brian, you mentioning Bevel exiting with a jab, you know, on those combinations. Charlo, to my knowledge, has a good jab, also has a good left hook. How do you see the, you know, the exchanges playing out? Uh, you know, from from my very amateur analysis, uh, it seems like Canelo, durable guy, Charlo going up two weight classes, probably going to struggle to knock him out, uh, you know, just based on the power differential, right? But also seems like a lower volume puncher as compared to Canelo. So how does how does Charlo win this fight if he's going to be at a power discrepancy and also a volume discrepancy? Well, that's the question, and that's why Canelo's such a big favorite going into this right. fight. Uh, not a massive favorite in boxing terms, but you know, still yeah. uh, four to one, basically, right? And I think with Jamel Charlo, the, the thing is, it's not only that he's moving up two weight classes and he's coming off a sixteen month layoff. And he's fighting while he himself is a probably pound for pound top 10 guy. I would say that he is because undisputed super welterweight champion moving up to fight undisputed super middleweight champion, 14 pound weight class difference, but still moving up to fight him. Um, He's also facing of all people, Canelo Alvarez. And the thing with Jamel Charlo is he's given up rounds to Brian Castaño, Tony Harrison, um, John Jackson. He was famously losing in that fight before knocking him out. And and Jason Rosario got some rounds off of Jamel Charlo. And Canelo Alvarez is better, quite considerably, respectfully, than all of those guys. I would say Tony Harrison is the best of that bunch. And you wouldn't say Tony Harrison is anywhere near Canelo Alvarez, with all due respect. And I think that that's going to be the key for me here is if Jamel Charlo is not going to be as busy, like using your height and your reach is one thing. But Canelo Alvarez has been fighting longer and taller guys for how long at this point? He figures out ways to get to your body. That's going to be the key. Is Jermel Charlo going to be able to withstand the body punching from Canelo Alvarez? That's my biggest question. Because Canelo Alvarez is going to get to his left hook. He's going to get to his double left hook, head body or body head. And this is how he's going to be able to close the distance. And Jermel Charlo is not really, to your point, Sean, busy enough to keep canelo alvarez off of him for 12 whole rounds canelo alvarez who's as good at anybody as closing the gap he's gonna have to have a busier jab he's gonna have to challenge him with his right hand he has a money right hand and i'll note that jamel charlo he has six knockouts in world title fights all of them are knockouts not technical knockouts just straight knockouts but canelo alvarez is somebody who's never been stopped before so he's gonna have to he's gonna have to be busier than he normally would and I don't know if Canelo's just going to let that happen because his busy is different than anybody else's busy. So I can tell from the way that, that Brian's talking that, that I consider uh, Jermel a little bit more of a live dog than, than you do, Brian. I can tell that it seems and I'm not picking Jermel to win straight up. I'm just saying yeah. sounds like you're very confident or at least a little more confident than I am that uh, that Canelo is going to win this fight. Um, I think. The, the key to everything for Jamel Charlo in this fight is going to be the jab. And I don't expect him to be as effective with it as Bivol was, but he does have a really good jab. And if he can pump it out there consistently and importantly, not get countered with a left hook from Canelo, that's the thing. You're, you're walking a tightrope. You've got to use the jab, but not leave yourself open to that big counter left hook. Uh, if Jamel can do that, if he can be really effective and, and dictate with the jab and, 
No, he's not a busy fighter, but neither is Canelo, really. They're both pretty patient fighters who are economical in their output. So I, I think if, if Jermel can use the jab, he can certainly pile up some rounds and have a chance in this. Again, I'll come back to the question of whether Canelo has slowed down significantly. That opens the door. It's one of those things where if this was prime Canelo against Jermel Charlo, I wouldn't be hesitating whatsoever to say that Canelo Alvarez wins this fight. But uh, particularly in terms of upper body movement, I've noticed that Canelo is not what he used to be. His last few fights, he's been a little easier to find, not using that upper That's body true. movement to set everything up, both offensively and defensively. It just makes me wonder if he's slowed down a little bit and if Jermel Charlo, if the rust is not a factor, which Brian kept pointing out, uh, he, he could be rusty if his hand is healed, which is a bit of a question. That's why he was off so long and he was willing to keep delaying his planned fight with Tim Zhu. But then you give him a Canelo Alvarez offer and he jumps right at it. Maybe the hand is healed. Maybe it isn't. Uh, so so those are sort of some key factors that I'm looking at. But I, I do consider Jermel a little bit more live here at, as the three three to one or so underdog that he is. If I could say something to the to the age piece, right? I, I will say this. I do have one concern with Canelo Alvarez in terms of slowing down. It's not the Davichi Bivol fight. He looks so much better than Gennady Golovkin the last time that they fought last year. Until round, what, eight, nine, whatever the case may mm -hmm. be. And then it's like, yep. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why is 40-year-old Gennady Golovkin, who BoxRec would still tell you is the best middleweight in the world right now, but... Why is 40-year-old Gennady Golovkin all of a sudden finding this when Canelo Alvarez, like, why is he slowing down here? Then against John Ryder earlier this year, he gave up a couple rounds toward the end in a fight where, like, I understand John Ryder had only been stopped once before, and John Ryder, when he got stopped, it was an unfair stoppage. He shouldn't have really gotten stopped in that fight. So John Ryder is not a guy that you're just going to put away. But it was a noticeably smaller ring in Mexico. That fight was in Mexico for a reason. And Canelo Alvarez didn't put him away when it looked like he had opportunities to do. So that's where I think Jamel Charlo is going to be the beneficiary because Canelo seems to, and this could be age to your point, Eric, and just experience because 63 pro fights. Yeah. Is he going to fade late in fights and Jamel Charlo coming off that layoff? Is he going to be able to get his rhythm at that point? Because it's not going to come, I don't think, in the first couple rounds for Jamel. He'll hit his gear at some point. Will he close out stronger than Canelo Alvarez and then bank some of those late rounds? That's sort of my question there. So I don't want to take away from our best bets, which we will talk about in a second. But, you know, just as a general overview, if you think if you think you're interested in betting Jermel Charlo, do you think this is a better live betting spot for him? Do you think it's likelier given the ring rust, given how Canelo's faded in his recent fights? This may be a better live betting opportunity, likely to get a better price on Charlo after the first couple of rounds. Brian? That's a great question. And I, because it's it's pretty good now, you know, at plus 300 mm -hmm. on, the, yeah. on, the, on the money line. How much and better you, is it going to get? If you don't think Canelo Alvarez is going to win by knockout, uh, or if Jamel Charlo, rather, is going to win by knockout, then you could just bet him on the points right now, and you could get him at a reasonable number. Um, but there's something to that because, again, if I think – and this is just an old boxing adage. Like usually when you're coming off a long layoff, you get off to a slow start in fights, particularly when you're fighting somebody who's better than you, right? And bigger, even though I don't think the size difference is going to matter that much uh, to Eric's point. But I do think that there's something to that. Like if you watch the first couple of rounds and then you're banking on Canelo is going to fade again. And then Jermel Charlo is going to kick it up round five, round four, or something along those lines. I wouldn't wait that many rounds. Because at that point, it's Canelo. I mean, 
it's already tough to beat Canelo in Las Vegas, <laughs> especially when the scorecards are pre-filled out. Yeah, you know, like that's the other thing. So, um, I would say if you're going to do that, you can wait two rounds tops, maybe three. But I also think you're getting good value on it right now uh, because if you watch round one round two and you see something you don't like in Jamel Charlo, you might not want to bet him live at all at that point. And then it'll be too late to bet Canelo Alvarez because the numbers will just not be in your favor. Eric, basically same question for you, but also, you know, let's just move into thoughts on like what's at stake here beyond just the title belts, Uh, you know, in terms of legacy for Canelo, this seems like a big risk, you know, as a, again, a casual boxing fan, Jamel Charlo, not a name I really have in front of mind. Like, Seems like a loss to Jermel Charlo would really do much more for hurting Canelo's legacy than it would for helping Charlo's. And, you know, I would assume a Charlo win, likely close competitive decision and likely to lead to a rematch. But assuming Canelo takes care of business here, what's next for him? Are there any other huge fights on the horizon for him in his career? Yeah, it is definitely uh, a bit of a no-win situation for Canelo, just in the sense that if he wins... People will be reluctant to give him credit for beating a guy two divisions smaller than he is. And if he loses, it it is a huge hit to his legacy. It's not going to change the fact that he's waltzing into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. That's already locked up. Um, But, you know, his legacy is actually mostly well established at this point, other than the possibility that he has some incredible tale to his career and has a a couple more great years in him with some huge victories that somehow push him into the oh, maybe he's surpassed Julio Cesar Chavez as the all-time greatest for Mexico. That's that's the potential upside, but it would take a lot to get there. So his legacy is pretty much set, but it is kind of a no-win situation reputation-wise in this particular fight, uh, whereas I think Jermel Charlo is basically fighting for Hall of Fame consideration. I don't think he has the resume at this point to get in there, but if you add Canelo Alvarez to your record, that changes everything. As far as what would come next, yeah, if Charlo springs the upset, I'm sure there would be a rematch. Canelo has this new three-fight deal with PBC, and it would make sense for that to be fight number two, mm-hmm. is to to take on Charlo again. Um, if this goes according to script, uh, whether by pre-filled scorecard or, or the sort of conventional thinking of what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the fight, if Canelo wins... Uh, then the interesting possibility that the name that is starting to get floated out there that I don't know how realistic it is, but boy, would it be huge, is this idea of Bud Crawford moving up from 47 to take on Canelo, which I think is a highly competitive (laughs) fight, even though they're three divisions apart. uh, (laughs) I I honestly don't have an easy time picking a winner in that fight. So, I mean, I would love to see something like that. But um, otherwise, you're looking at something like, Canelo perhaps taking on Jamal Charlo to to with sort of a Charlo twin brother revenge factor as as the plot line, or maybe going back up and taking that Bivol rematch. He's got a few options to consider if if he wins this. And I saw Brian shaking his head. And yes, I agree. If he fought Bivol again, <laughs> bad idea. But it, but he does seem determined to try to uh, avenge that loss. <laughs> Haven't you guys seen the videos? Bud Crawford's going over to MMA. He's got elite takedown <laughs> defense. Got incredible wrestling. Uh, no, I, I really think if Bud Crawford <laughs> wanted to go over and compete in MMA, he would be elite in it. That guy's just hmm. an absolutely insane athlete. Uh, Brian, you know, same question for you. What what fights do you want to see for Canelo before his career ends? David Benavidez is the one for me. That I, I That's the one I want to see the most. He's another sort of one of the best guys as super middleweight, has uh, a title, I believe an interim title, but a title. 
and uh, Canelo Alvarez, you know, like this would be an all Mexican showdown. You could obviously put it, you know, on the West Coast or in Mexico, and it would be huge. Um, David Benavidez is not a a crossover name, but he's becoming a bigger name in boxing, at least. And, you know, that counts for something. And he's somebody who had a pay-per-view earlier this year where he beat Caleb Plant. Um, didn't stop him, almost did, won a, a comfortable decision uh, against a guy who's very credible, who Cano beat before. And I think that's sort of the guy that's that will be the test for me in terms of is Canelo truly past his prime because David Benavidez profiles as the guy who is bigger, who is probably stronger. I don't know if he's faster. Maybe some people say he would be other than Canelo Alvarez. And he sort of profiles as that guy who can really push an all-time great like Canelo, who's in the latter stages of his true greatness, we think, uh, to the limits and potentially beat him. I just think that if you build somebody to beat Canelo Alvarez in this division in a lab, he would look a lot like David Benavidez. He would just probably stay out of trouble a little bit more. <laughs> and uh, other than that, um, I, the Terrence Crawford one is interesting. I just I have a hard time seeing uh, Terrence Crawford fight Canelo Alvarez just because like the weight disparity. But I think Terrence Crawford's uh, daring enough to do it. I don't know how it benefits Canelo Alvarez to fight somebody even smaller than Jermel Charlo, though. <laughs> and I think, I think realistically... It's a bigger name now. Yeah. It's a bigger name. If you're looking at a three-fight deal with PBC, I think for Canelo Alvarez, what should be next is honestly David Benavidez or Jamal Charlo. But Jamal Charlo hasn't fought in two years, and he right. needs to get back in the ring and fight somebody. And I think Jamal Charlo is playing with house money where if he's competitive at all and loses this fight, then, yeah, we'll want to see him fight Terrence Crawford at 154. Um, he would be the underdog in that fight, too, with, I think, more at stake. But I, I think that's sort of direction we should be heading, at least. But in boxing, you don't always, you know, get what you should get. So, whatever. Especially when it comes to deserved scorecards at the end of fights. And before we get <laughs> to our best bets for this fight, uh, the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get $1,500 bonus paid back. If your first bet loses for new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 20 or, 21 or older. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Gentlemen, make more memories are made when you're there live for NFL action. And when you need tickets, our friends at Ticketmaster have got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Let's talk about our new sponsor, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Factor hooks you up with delicious, chef-prepared, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your house. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with a healthy, healthy lifestyle. There are three main things we love about Factor. Number one, no chopping, prepping, or cleaning up. I hate chopping. I always think I'm going to lose a finger. Number two, you get great flavor and the nutritional quality you need. And number three, Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So run your own two-minute drill with Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Just head to factormeals.com slash Action Network Pod 50 and use code Action Network Pod 50. That's five zero 
to get 50% off. That's code ActionNetworkPod50 at Factormeals.com slash ActionNetworkPod50 to get 50% off. That's quite a bit of talking for me, so I'm going to throw it back to you guys for some best bets for Canelo and Charlo. I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, You know, I think even Dana White is looking forward to this one. Frankly, I was at a UFC card where the fights were going on right in front of him, and Dana is looking down at the Canelo fight on a TV monitor in front of him. So I think he just canceled the UFC cards for this weekend. He wants to be home watching Canelo and Charlo, and it's my anniversary. I'm going to find a way to watch the fights as well. So, uh, gentlemen, Eric, I want to start with you first. Uh, Best bet for this fight from a pre-fight perspective, and then any thoughts on a live betting perspective, because we might have skipped over you before on that as well. Yeah, so uh, first I'll just say that um, I don't intend to bet just the straight-up money line on either side on on this one, but if I did, I do think... (laughs) Char- I, I'd sooner go Charlo at three to one or so than lay four to one on, on Canelo. But my favorite bet for this fight, I, I have a few wacky props that I like that I'll, that I'll get to. But my favorite relatively straightforward bet actually kind of flies in the face of some of what Brian was saying about Canelo fading late in recent fights. And that is true. But this is a guy who has 13 knockouts in his career in the eighth round or later, which is a really rare number of knockouts that late to get that high. I had looked up just for point of comparison, Manny Pacquiao, who had about as many pro fights and was a good puncher himself, had eight knockouts at eighth round or later. Floyd Mayweather, same, eight in the eighth round or later. 13 for Canelo is a lot. He tra- traditionally has had late power in his career. So Canelo, KO, round seven through 12. Uh, I, I see this as likely a close competitive fight where it kind of goes back and forth they trade some rounds they each have some success but i wonder if canelo not having had a knockout in a little while is just going to be really hungry to step on the gas put the pressure on more as the rounds go on sort of like he did against caleb plant and maybe deliver that knockout in the second half and i'm seeing that one as high as plus 500 for a ko in the second half of the fight i that's my favorite relatively straightforward bet on on this fight Uh, as far as a few uh, additional bets that I love if you want to bet a little to possibly win a lot um, you mentioned the draw 18 to 1 these guys have both had fights end in draws Uh, we know strange things happen on Canelo scorecards I will note one of the judges on this fight is Steve Weisfeld who is like the best judge in the sport by far and somehow like has avoided pretty much ever having a controversial scorecard. So I expect one scorecard at least that reflects the fight accurately, but you never know about the other two. So uh, a draw at 18 to one is intriguing. I saw a prop on Charlo to be knocked down two or more times at 14 to one. You know, it's, is it likely to happen? No, but that's why it's 14 to one. If he, if Canelo can drop him once and he gets up and beats the count, then there's a good chance he's going to go down again. And here's my favorite, absolutely absurd one that I saw somewhere. Uh, Both fighters to be knocked down at any time in rounds one through six. I realize unlikely, right? The price plus 18,000, 180 to one. If we get that, it's not likely because Canelo has never been down in his career, but come on, 180 to one, put $1 down to win 180. If that happens, I, I flash back to Oscar De La Hoya against Ike Corte. They mm. traded knockdowns in the sixth round. If Canelo suffers a flash knockdown somehow, gets up wanting to get revenge, scores a knockdown of his own, at 180 to one, I got to take a flyer on that. And then just as far as the live betting, I do agree with with what Brian was saying. I think you're getting pretty good value on Charlo now. 
I'm not sure you're going to find better value as the fight wears on. And again, because I believe a late knockout from Canelo is possible, I, I'm a little less inclined to bet on Charlo mid-fight. Yeah, as soon as you mentioned that, you know, Canelo late prop, I was like, okay, he's out on Charlo live. Do you think the Canelo late knockouts, the fact that he's had so many, is a product of the body work he puts in on opponents? Absolutely. That's that's the body work in combination with the way he'll usually steadily build pressure as a fight wears along. Th- those two things together. Yeah, and, and I fully expect him to target Charlo's body in this fight. So the the likelihood of him stopping Charlo in the first six rounds, that's fairly remote. It could happen, of course. Anything's possible. But if he's going to get the stoppage, it's I think it's much more likely to happen between 7 and 12. Brian, I want to toss it to you for your favorite ways to bet this fight. Eric, uh, leaning with a, a variety of props, but Canelo just straight up to win by knockout, plus 280. Charlo, plus 950 by knockout. Canelo, minus 120 by decision. Charlo, plus 40, plus 480. Any of those props interest you, Brian, or are you just going with a straight up money line bet? Definitely not because minus 430 is not something that I'm going to entertain with the money line, which I think is minus 480 right now. But I did already bet Canelo by unanimous decision at plus 125. So instead of just the decision, which was minus 150 when I saw it, I did grab the unanimous decision at plus 125. That's sort of my favorite bet going into this fight. I I feel like it's a safe one because while I think Jermel Charlo has moments, has rounds, I think Canelo Alvarez putting him away on the scorecards is just the most likely outcome. And if you could still find him, uh, Canelo Alvarez, a unanimous decision uh, at plus odds, then I would still take that. Now, I do have some wacky bets uh, as well. Um, a few. I'm gonna har- I'm gonna really focus in on on three or four. One very similar to what Eric laid out. I have Jamel Charlo being knocked down between rounds one through six at plus 650. And that's something that, again, is the slow start going to be, you know, sort of hurtful enough to where Canelo Alvarez could actually catch him early. Flash knockdown, maybe. We saw it, you know, with uh, even Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia earlier this year. Just in the second round, we saw it, and a lot more with Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. But is that something that could happen, right? Jamal Charlo just gets called early. Um, welcome back to the ring after 16 months. And Canelo just sort of tests him and finds him early. That's something that I like and will probably put not a lot on. I'm not putting a lot on any of the long shots, but, you know, I'll, I'll put a little bit on that. And while Canelo has gotten off to good starts and then lately has sort of faded late in fights, and it's really only been like a, a three-fight thing. It's happened in his last three fights. I still think there's reason to bet Canelo Alvarez to win late. I put rounds 9 through 12 at plus 700 because I could actually see this fight unfolding a lot like the Caleb Plant fight for some reason. And Caleb Plant physically, 6'1", 74-inch reach, Jermel Charlo, 6'73", reach. I think Jermel Charlo could fight in a similar way that Caleb Plant did. And Caleb Plant had some success against Canelo Alvarez at different points, won a few rounds, but ultimately got called in the 11th round, got dropped once, got dropped again, got stopped, and Canelo Alvarez sort of didn't let up after that. But I could see this fight sort of happening. If Canelo gets a stoppage, I think it's going to be very similar to what he did to Caleb Plant. So I would take a shot at that. That was Canelo to win rounds 9 through 12 plus 700 as just sort of a long shot. I feel like, you know, those are good enough odds to do it. Again, 
knockout, not likely, but it wasn't likely for Terrence Crawford at Errol Spence either. And boy, did we get one. <laughs> and the next one, this is, uh, let me see, Canelo Alvarez to win by split decision, by split decision at plus 1,000 and by majority decision at plus 1,600. I feel like when, when the fights, you feel like they're going to be pretty close. This is just me sort of taking a shot on. There might be some wackiness with the scorecards. Uh, and Jermel Charlo maybe, you know, wins six rounds on a card when he should have won four. And then there was no knockdown. So, wait, there's a 114-114. How did that sneak in there? Boxing is boxing. Sometimes you just got to bet on boxing being boxing. There have been cards that I've bet on somebody who I wasn't sure if they were going to actually get the decision. But they're the A side. They got the money behind them. So, you have to sort of put like a 20% conspiracy theory bet on it. And I've won that way because this sport is the sport. So if Jamel Charlo, if it's one of these situations where Jamel Charlo actually looks like he deserves to win, looks like he deserves the upset, you can still see Canelo Alvarez get in the decision. So split decision, majority decision, I think maybe a dollar or two. That'll still uh, buy you lunch lunch in some parts of the country at plus uh, 1,000 or plus 1,600. So those are some long shots that I sort of circled and – uh, I may look for some more uh, 180 to one props that Eric laid out because, <laughs> man, if you're telling me I could put down one dollar and if the wacky thing happens, I get 180, then I might I might be set for, you know, a day or two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, re- remember with with Spence Crawford, the uh, the the wacky one that I threw out on that was a knockdown in the first four rounds at 16 to one. And we all were like, eh, it's not going to happen, but that's a nice price. And then it happened. So uh, you don't want to not bet this and then it happens and then and then you're kicking yourself forever. You also you also mentioned the the worst bet you had ever seen, which was under <laughs> two and a half or under one and a half. Knockdowns under one and a half. Like yeah. Minus one million. And that would have ended up losing. So yep. it was indeed the worst bet. You had ever seen, and the worst bet you had ever seen would have lost. Uh, that 180 to one that Brian referenced, uh, that was both fighters to score a knockout in rounds one through six, correct, Eric? Right. Both fighters have to touch the canvas in the first six rounds for that one to pay. And the other bets that the guys mentioned Charlo to score two plus knockdowns at plus 1400, Canelo to win by KO in round seven through 12, plus 500. The draw at plus 1800 could see being worth a sprinkle. Canelo by unanimous decision. Brian like that if you can get plus money uh, to score a knockdown in rounds one through six at plus 650 to win by KO in rounds nine through 12 plus 700 split decision for Canelo plus 1000 and majority decision plus 1600 guys. You really like this fight card too. beyond the main event. And I'm curious what other undercard bets you might have the most identifiable name for me was your Dennis Ugas fighting. I believe right before Canelo. Uh, I doubt you're laying minus 260 to bet the Cuban, but uh, any bets that you really like on this undercard? Brian, going to start with you first. So your Dennis Ugas is the co-feature. Um, he's fighting Mario Barrios, uh, which apparently is an interim title fight somehow, but, you know, whatever, <laughs> boxing, you know? It happens. Right. Uh, Ugas, we haven't seen him since Errol Spence stopped him last April. So we talk about long layoffs. This is a 17-month one for your Dennis Ugas, who had an eye issue. So he's been out of the ring for a while. But famously defeated Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao's last fight probably should have gotten the nod against Sean Porter when they fought. And uh, yeah, your Dennis Ugas is very, very skilled. I bet him to beat Mario Barrios by decision at minus 110 uh, when I got it. That was earlier this week. So I, while I think Mario Barrios is very skilled, I think uh, Ugas is just better, and I think he'll win that fight. But 
you know, Barrios, I consider him a, lo- a live dog for that fight because he's actually, you know, he's not, I'm not worried about ring rust with him. So I could even talk myself into betting Ugas live because he may get off to a slow start for the first round or two because he hasn't been in the ring for a long time. So that's something that I would sort of track. Um, Elijah Garcia is in a very fun fight with Jose Resendez, and Elijah Garcia is sort of one of these up and coming prospects. Resendez, uh, uh, he beat Jared Hurd earlier this year, which was an upset. Um, and Elijah Garcia, I think, wins this fight. Now, a knockout was plus 110. Decision was plus 170. I went with the knockout. I wouldn't put a lot on it, though. Resendez has never been stopped. He has been dropped. He has never been stopped. But Elijah Garcia has got heavy hands, and I think he could finish him. And the most entertaining fight on this card, uh, arguably, um, or at least say for the main event, Jesus Ramos and Erickson Lubin. And you want to talk about some heavy hitters on this card. <laughs> I bet Jesus Ramos to win by knockout um, minus 150 knockout or TKO. Um, not like tremendous value there, but I, I think that's the outcome. Erickson Lubin's been stopped twice before, once by Jermel Charlo in the first round and also against Sebastian Fundora, but he pushed them and dropped Fundora in that fight. So I think Ramos, you know, he'll be pushed a little more than he was against uh, Joey Spencer, but Lubin's a great challenge for him. But Jesus Ramos could come out looking like the sort of star, the show stealer of the night, because I think a lot of people could potentially be very impressed with what he brings to the table to a guy who's been a contender, been at championship level and has fought in big fights before. So it's your Dennis Ugas by decision, minus 110, and maybe an Ugas live entry. Elijah Garcia by KO at plus 170, and then Jesus Ramos by KO at minus 150. Eric, uh, favorite undercard bets, favorite fights you're looking forward to? You're looking forward to that Ramos fight as well. Oh, absolutely. That's that. The whole undercard is is stacked in a way that pay-per-view undercards for boxing usually are not. This is this is the the card that will tell you based on when people arrive for your pay-per-view party whether they're serious boxing fans or not. This is one where if you just roll in for the main event, you're not a real fight fan. Uh, but I, I love the whole undercard. The Ramos Lubin co-feature is is fascinating, and I kind of was leaning on that one toward the the Ramos by KO in the first six rounds at plus mm. three hundred, just because Lubin has proven a little chance. Uh, sometimes a lot chinny in the case of his fight with Charlo, actually, where he got stopped in the first round. So um, chance of a, a Ramos early stoppage there if it turns into a real trading punches kind of war. I agree with what Brian was saying, that Ramos has this this real star potential, and this could be the fight that really establishes him uh, as that next big thing. I had the exact same bet on the Elijah Garcia fight. Garcia by KO is my favorite in that one. I think I think you said plus one ten on that, right, Brian? Uh, was plus one ten, yeah. When I yeah, got that it. that was what I saw, and and that one uh, I, I like quite a bit. Ugas Barrios is the toughest one for me to to bet. Um, also. Um, probably the one I'm looking forward to the least of the three, though I am still looking forward to it. It's it just uh, stylistically, I'm not quite sure what to expect. And on that one, again, I'm a kind of drawn toward another draw. Um, that uh, that one I'm seeing uh, 16 to one on the draw. Barrios Ugas, it, it it could be that kind of fight. So uh, if I'm going to bet that one, which I may just stay away entirely, but if I am, rather than taking a side, I may just uh, go ahead and and plunk a couple bucks down on the draw at 16 to one. I, so I love a draw part. for that fight, by the way. I love a draw for it that fight. It has that I'm, kind of potential, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm probably going to put a couple dollars on that, actually. 
All right. So uh, Ugas draw plus 1,600. Main event draw plus 1,800. Parlayed 322 <laughs> to 1. Uh, I will not be here after next week because I will be living on an island uh, that I purchased with all that money. Uh, for Eric Raskin, for Brian Fonseca, appreciate all their insight, their breakdowns, their best bets. Enjoy this awesome card. See you next time. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.